Hello, and welcome to the XX Mormon podcast. Brothers and sisters, we are joined today. I'm conducting and presiding as Heavenly Mother, um, Goddess Above. And here we have very biblical, going way, 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 way back. The most biblical person we've ever had. We have Sugar Cane, formally, that's the formal name, biblically known as Cain. We are joined by Sugar Cane. Hello, Sugar Cane. Would you have to introduce yourself? <laughs> Hello, Heavenly Mother. I'm so happy to be here with you. Uh, Sugar Cane is ready, she's willing. <laughs> To spill all the tea for the children, for the biblical children, because <laughs> she has plenty. <laughs> I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. So I guess for starters, do a little bit about your early life, young adult life. We can segue to when we met for that little bloop. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, just tell us your story. Tell us your story. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to make this somewhat brief. I've always played. <laughs> um, but, you know, I was raised in a small town in California. It's called Lamore. Um, if you haven't heard of it, I would never tell anyone to go there. So <laughs> you can forget the name. <laughs> um, it was like 45 minutes, like maybe north of Fresno, California, which more, more people knew. Um, my dad was there because we, he was retired military, um, and he retired there, but we stayed there because of the church that we grew up in. That was like the biggest reason. Um, it was a Pentecostal church, so kind of like revivalist, you know, church. Um, and, you know, I grew up going to church five or six days out of the week and that was just my life. I didn't know anything else. I think around 11, I started to have like ideas that maybe... I might have liked men or boys at the time. Um, I remember very vividly asking, my parents asking me, probably like monthly, whether I liked women uh, or girls or where I was thinking about a girl. And I would just tell them, no, just blankly. <laughs> just like, no, just not thinking X. about girls. <laughs> that's a, that's an X right there. It's not happening. Um, and and somehow by the time I was 11, I was started trying to figure that out with my friends. And um, you know, I think from the time that I started figuring out when I was 11 to before I joined the church, it was this constant fighting between myself of who I wanted to be or who I thought I was and, you know, religion and really hell, <laughs> really just like your eternal salvation being at stake for the, the person that you were fighting on the inside. Um, and that was, that was literally it for my entire life was constantly going in and out of the Pentecostal church, constantly going out of religion, um, that and, 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 uh, you know, trying to live a life of being gay. And I think, I think the hardest part about that was just the, you know, kind of the self-hate that you have. Um, but looking back, the most interesting part was that the times that I, had the space away from religion and had the space away from the church were the times that I was more interested in learning, learning more. And that's what I think ended up getting me to the, to the Mormon church. I'm a convert, um, which is crazy because no one would no one, I mean, the story is so crazy that it just, it only makes sense to Mormons when they hear it. And anybody outside of the church is like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? What are you doing with your life? 
for that to happen. Um, but it was, it's, a, it's just for Mormons, the classic cycle of, you know, for, at least for me, you know, I had the space to learn about things. I'd learn about things. I would read re- uh, religious texts. I would read like non um, canonical work. And I thought I would find it more interesting than anything else that I'd ever read. Um, and so just in one of those phases where I was gay, but still trying to learn and still trying to like, you know, beat, beat the gay out of me, I picked up a Book of Mormon. Um, it was it was like a random published version of it that was being sold in my library at, the, at, at Fresno State. And I just ate it up. I read that book in a day. I called the church the day that I read it. And I said, I need someone to come down and tell me about this book. And not joking, I think it was 10 minutes later, the missionaries were knocking on my door and came inside. And to someone who has like been in and out of church for so long, you don't, trust me when I say that that moment is very powerful. The moment of like you believing in something and you not understanding and the willingness and the kind of indoctrination that happens with your missionaries to go in and sit down with you and to treat you as nicely as fresh white lilies and to have all this warmth and love thrown at you all at once while also saying we have the truth we know what you need this is it was so powerful to me at that moment that i literally i think i got baptized five days later uh in in the church it was the day after christmas it's still like it's still one of my like my passwords which is it's like twelve twenty six. I not even remember what the, the, the year was, but it was literally the day after Christmas. And I remember, I remember calling my parents and telling them what I was doing and them literally flipping the fuck out. <laughs> like, oh I mean, and it, of course, you, you know, you, I mean, everyone, anyone that's black that's, you know, grew up in the <laughs> 1950s <laughs> knew that's like, what, what do you mean? It was like, out of all the crazy things I told my parents about religion and all the things that I thought I knew about religion, this was the one that really hit them. It was like, why would you do this? And I, I can only tell, I can only tell them that. And here's, here's the positive things I'll say about the church. There are some really, really great things that the church knows how to do. And they, and that is like set the right atmosphere that really keeps you inside and making you introspective and making you feel that what you're doing is the right thing to do it's the church is super very powerful at that like imagine if you will if you know coming from a place where there's literally drums and craziness and people shouting and people screaming at the top of their lungs to a place where you don't even clap when someone is speaking like and it's just introspection it's just you yourself and your own religion and that that dichotomy like that kind of like binary is really powerful when you grew up in a place that i did yeah. um you really feel like you found something that's truly unique and let alone like the books that you know and the, all the all the words that were thrown out at you um so yeah by the time i got into the church that's kind of where i was at i was looking for something that i i was looking for a church that i that i could call home that allowed me to feel like I was safe and that allowed me to feel like good about also like being a gay man, but not necessarily feeling like I needed to be gay and feel like I could be loved and protected and, 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 and my salvation was secure. 
Um, and the Mormon religion at that time, it did that for me. And it, it just made sense at the time. Yeah. I do apologize if you see my hand over the mic. No, you're fine. It, it breathes loud and it sounds like thunder and it's literally <laughs> just me breathing and I don't even anyway. Oh, you're good. So it's like literally doing... thundering out here. <laughs> oh, so you wouldn't know. You'd be like, I wouldn't oh, even know. I, I think you're exactly right. Um, so I don't know if you um, listened to the our big long episode, but so part of me deconstructing me getting out of the church was I read a lot of cult material. Mm-hmm. And so I watched like every episode of Scientology, the aftermath with Leah Remini. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's good. That's a good, that's a great. I ate it up and then it started to feel familiar. And then I didn't stop there because I was already planning on getting my master's in social work and I already wanted to be a therapist. And so I read this book, Combating Cult Mind Control by Steve Hassan. Now I've read both of his books. I've read two of Yanya Lalich's books. Who's a, another person who's a cult expert and Yanya Lalich and Steve Hassan are both cult survivors. Wow. And now they work in the field of behavioral health. So um, Steve Hassan has like his doctorate in psychology. He's been a therapist. Yanya Lalich has her licensed clinical social work. So the same degree that I want. And that was like my little escape. There's more to it, but obviously there's other episodes. I say, yeah. you, you get oh, it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Though. It's just, I love how different the stories are of people like both going in, but leaving, like, what was the, what was the straw? Like, what was the thing that really said, okay, I need to be thinking more about this. And that's super interesting. Like how you like really found some deep connections with other people and you found like, Oh, I'm going through that. I'm not even realizing, you know, that I'm going through that. Um, and that, it's, it's powerful that you as a person can have that level of introspection, you know, and then make a change. It's really, it's really good of you. Word. So, but everything that you're describing about what got you in is the, the little, Ooh, like I hate the church. So, <laughs> so anything, anything positive, I'm like covered in dirt. Like I just can't yeah. because I really feel like all those things are very real, very true, very powerful. And I agree with you. And I think that it's weaponized and I think that it's all tools of manipulation. Yes. <laughs> and and we just, we, we all, just you know, like, yeah. we all get trapped. And even someone that grew up in it, there were still things that trapped me. So what was, what was your first little red flag? Your first little, like, wait a minute. Your first little, like, eh. yeah, the record going. <laughs> so that's, it's, it's tough because I think for me, because I was so invested in religion and in spirituality, it took me a long time to get to a point. I mean, I, I had, I mean, I had sex with a man inside the church and it still took me three years later to come to a realization that that's what I still need to be doing with my life because I was still tied to the idea that like what I was doing was a sin. I didn't have enough space from the church to really be introspective. And I think that's the damaging part is, is what you said is that these tools keep you inside and you don't have a way of really looking, you know, outside of that space. And that's honestly, that's, it's, it's every religion. It's every, it's every belief system when you just don't have enough space away from those doctrines to, to be analytical about it. Um, 
All facts. And I, I think the first time that I really had a chance to be analytical about it was when I, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably in my fifth year and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church like semi-regularly, but I'm still just like, I just don't know how to deal with this person who wants to be gay. And I didn't know what to do. And I remember the first time that I read multiple stories of Joseph Smith's uh, theophany and it clicked right in that second that I said, oh, wait, is it possible that the church has crafted a story for me? As much as America does this with like racism or, or, you know, just all the, all the isms of, of the world, right? You're fed a story that you are supposed to believe without any, without any like understanding that there's so much history to how that story was made, but you were only, you were only fed the one that's, that's in, in the, the most current 2020, 2021, 2022 video. And they actively tell you, don't go looking for the other videos because <laughs> you're going to be really surprised about the information that you hear and how different it was. And I said, oh, so is it possible that the story has changed over time and what I'm actually hearing is not the, the, the real story of Joseph Smith? What else do I not know about this story? <laughs> um, and that's why it, it really only takes one little like good crack for me to be like, ooh, like the whole, <laughs> the whole building has come crumbling down <laughs> in terms of what I thought this religion was. And it was, it's, it sucks in, in and of itself because you have to let this thing go, but it also, it's so freeing. Um, I think, I think, and this is another reason why I thought that, you know, the, the cracks in the story was you learn about where Joseph Smith may have gotten his information from or the books he was reading during the time he was writing the Book of Mormon. Um, I've read, I mean, I've read a lot of like, a lot of historical religion. And one of my favorite books is, um, my favorite philosopher, his name is Emanuel Swedenborg, and he is a Christian philosopher. And he's really old, but he's dead. Um, but I read that book so long ago and had forgotten about it and picked up the Book of Mormon. And when I had a chance to read them both, it was, I mean, I have no proof of this, really. But to tell you the amount of things that are so similar about these two works and to know how old that other work was, and I said, there's no way that Joseph Smith like knew, like didn't know what was going on in this other book and didn't just take it for himself. Um, and it's, it's everything from like the, the, like the celestial world and the celestial experiences and the different like levels of heaven um, all the way to your ability to like create your own existence after the, you know, in, in the, um, in the, in the, in, in like in, in your version of the afterlife, it's, it's it's almost like he just took it and just like and just plopped it into his into his own work and just kind of made it what it is, um, and I just I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't ignore like just like what I was seeing, and and, and you know unfortunately you know I'd say unfortunately I I love Emmanuel Swedenborg. His his works to me as he's a Christian philosopher, but it actually helped me to not feel so I like to, to identify with Christianity so much and just identify with myself and my own sense of spirituality and just kind of be able to be my, you know, to, to, to be a gay man and be happy. But if I didn't have that reference, if I didn't have those tools to look and say, 
you know, just like you and you're like, you're reading materials for other people, you're reading experiences from other people and what their experiences was, you don't have these tools. Like you're, you're just stuck with your same old doctrine and covenants and your book of Mormon. And you're looking at it like, well, there's nothing else to judge it, judge it for. And I'm, I can't, if I, if I read another text, you know, that, that says something contrary, I'm, I'm going to send myself to, to, into damnation or to, I, I forgot what they call it. Like the, the sea of the blackness. Eternal darkness. Um, it, it just, things just started clicking like way too fast. Um, the cracks were just too wide. And it become it became way too easy for me to say, I just I can't even trust like what this religion is anymore. And so for all the good of the tools that you've invented to keep your people happy, like you just can't deny like the objective reality of what your religion is. It just kids can't deny it. Amen. Oh my God! It literally, yes. Literally, yes. Sorry, did I cut you off? No, you're good. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't know because we're both from California. We have like a natural oh, yeah. pause when we speak. But I know people that are from like the South and they do like they take a breath, but they're still going. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want inter- to. I don't want to interrupt. So um, there's this cult survivor, Mike Vicente, who described like a crack in the dam. Mm. And that's exactly what I was imagining with you like this was a dam that was breaking like yeah. it was brr, brr, like, like, the like bur- literally <laughs> the bursting it and was then, bursting. yeah honestly it was a, I, I, I mean it's just it is what it is it's kind of one of those things where it's like once once it's open it's it's, it's kind of hard to you know to, to go back from it and I'm, I'm very happy i'm really happy that that those moments happen because you know we're scared we're, we're scared to take those steps um and you, I mean, because literally, it's it's your whole, it's your whole salvation. It's like everything that your life depends on. Taking a step out of that really, really feels like it means something more than even your physical life right now. And you know, so I'm just so happy to see that people do it. They, they find a way to see that crack and then just kind of say, "I got to push this open. <laughs> I got to see what else is going on." No, I I completely agree. There's so many parts of your story that I think are a perfect like microcosm of the convert experience. Like I really do think it happens like that. Like having my parents are both converts, my dad more so than my mom. So the term is love bombing. Have you heard that before? Oh yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Yes. And you know, my dad's also a man of color. So interesting how they seem to target. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. These little tactics they do for a certain demographic of people. Um, and so he was, he was pretty loved bombed into it. I did have a question. So how long in total were you in? Yeah. So I think I it was right before my 21st birthday. So I think it was 20, I think it was 2020. Um, and then I didn't, I didn't decide that I wasn't going to go back. And I think until 2025, um, I joined the military in 2003. So I was, I was, in the like the fresno ward um i think i forgot what they call it anymore it's like it's been so long um but like you know for i think about two and a half years before i left wait so do you mean 2012 2012 was it 2012 oh maybe that's it that's right yeah okay, I, was like, <laughs> like, I literally can't even like put my years together no it's okay you're <laughs> You're literally being interviewed about a traumatic life experience. Yeah, like, I don't it's expect, been so long. I don't expect 
you to get no oh, it was 20 correct. it was 2010 that's what it was yeah 2020 20, uh, god now i'm fumbling jesus um so yeah so 2010, so 2010 and then i met you tw- yeah i met you yeah. 2012 and then 2013 you were like I'm, I'm done 2012 that's so crazy <laughs> yeah that's what i met you isn't that yeah crazy? and i've i'm telling you i was so in love with your personality and there was a reason right oh my God, every, single, <laughs> every single person that i swear that i was like connected with at that church so many of them are now out of the church Praise you know me. what i mean it's just or they were converts and they finally had their reckoning and they said oh this is this really wasn't you know what I, what i was looking for um, and I think it's just kind of that kind of like divine, like synchronicity of, of like you meeting the right people at the right time, you know, that kind of propel you in a certain direction. And some of my, just to be real, just to fill your head up with gas, my sum of top three, if not top two, yeah, top two, I'll say that, happiest memories of being a Mormon were with you. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> literally for real, literally for real. Because when I went to BYU, Idaho, I, I made some amazing friends. And they were refuge. Like, they were like little lifeboats in the storm that was. Mm, yeah. And so even our even our happiness that I had with those friends was warped. Like, w- sorry, warped. Because the situations were terrible. But when I was hanging out with you and chilling with you i was like still at home like still there was a like a more genuine happiness not that my happiness at boo idaho wasn't genuine but yeah i like really cling to my little friends there because it was a terrible place yeah um so yeah honestly probably my happiest memories because i did have happy mission experiences but my mission was obviously you know an extreme cult experience so that's yeah. all been that's all been like smeared in blood you know what i mean like it's (laughs) It's like hard to really gain something you feel like it's like valuable or like nice about it there's so much trauma because it's so bad and then also disclaimer so i try to say things like i'm from oklahoma like in another episode i was like we gonna fix that and then i try to say like (laughs) praise be and like sweet baby jesus i don't even believe in jesus but i still say these things um so I kind of have two questions, but I'll ask both, but I'm not sure which one to ask first. So give me a minute. <laughs> let me think, let me think, let me think. Um, so you got out when you joined the military. Yes, it was about two years after. Um, and that was an interesting, yeah, go ahead. If you the questions, oh, no, no, that was it. That was yeah, it. Yeah, like, yeah. You add on, I'll ask the other ones. <laughs> it was very hard because even in that moment in the military, um, the church was still like a safe haven for me because when you go to boot camp, you're, you're under this like extreme pressure, especially Marine Corps boot camp. I was, I was a Marine for eight years. Um, and when you're in boot camp, the only time that you have away from your drill instructors, which were literal like hellions, <laughs> like these are just like the spawn of Satan <laughs> in a campaign cover. Um, the only time you had any space away from them was when you went to church. So for the three hours on Sunday, I would go to church and I'd be like, I'm so happy, you know, that I'm here and not being screamed at <laughs> like for the next or not being like terrorized. So I was really happy. But at the same time, like I was very much in the midst of still not understanding who I was as a gay man and what that meant for me in the church, you know, and I mean that I mean, to be honest, that's that event of 
of like, I, and this is the story that it's like, I always come back to. It's literally the thing that took me on the opposite side of the church where I was like, I'm good. I'm going to be in the church forever. I'm going to marry a woman. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have children. Oh <laughs> you can still have children. I can't have like children, that, but children know? with the women. Which, um, like, it's, it's, it's a lot. That's Old a lot fashioned way. Old yeah. fashioned way. <laughs> to like me going over the edge towards like, there's just no way I can come back from this because like this, my gayness will forever. I thought was, was, was forever haunt me. Um, and, I, and I don't know if I ever told, I think I told you this story before, but it's, it's when I, I don't know if I ever told you, but I had um, going to be a young performing missionary in historic Nauvoo. Remember the story? I think I need to hear this. Again. <laughs> this this <laughs> I is think the, the world needs to hear yeah. this. So this sorry. is the wildest story. I think I've heard pieces, my, yeah, but I don't think I've heard it's the whole freaking thing. Wild, like, and it's, it's totally the reason why I'm like I'm not a member of the church. Completely, one hundred percent. I I wanted to do. I wanted to go on a mission, like really bad. And I was like, what should I do? I'm going to school. Maybe a mission is like maybe not 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 my time. And then I heard about historic Nauvoo. <laughs> and my little gay ass was like, "Oh, I can go sing and dance." <laughs> Disclaimer: This man, Sugarcane, has a beautiful voice. He has great rhythm. Like he, you are very talented. This isn't. This wasn't a pipe dream. Like this no, man is like, very, very talented. Like I can make this happen. Like I could do this if I wanted to. So I found the paperwork, <laughs> and I went in, and I was like, "I'm gonna go to Salt Lake City in the middle of winter." And go audition to be a young performing missionary at Historic Nauvoo. And I went by myself with my little, my little bag, got out. It was snowing. I was in church shoes. I only went there for literally a day, like for a day and a half. I found, I found, the, the, I found the, the temple grounds. I thought it was beautiful. Like all the, all the, you know, the native non-English speaking missionaries out there, the church. I was like, is this heaven? Like literally I'm standing like in this crazy place. And I thought, I thought it was just so special and so unique. And I, to me, it's, it still is. It's, the, the church holds like these very special memories of this like very unique experience that I just would have never gotten if I hadn't joined it. And I still relish those, even for all the trauma that religion has done to me. The, the church has a very special place in my heart. Um, so it's very different from feeling like a sense of like, like it was a cult. It was like a very interesting religious experience that I'm extremely happy that I'm not a part of. Um, <laughs> there you go. That's the key. Yeah. 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 You know what? One um, day same, but continue. <laughs> yes. But um, so I'm I'm there, right? And I get there, and you know, I'm still like I'm I don't even know how I'm 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 20 or 21, and like I've been gay for like 12 years, right? Like in and out of the closet, but I know that I like men, right? So I know what a gay man looks like. I know how they act, and I get into this audition space and i'm sitting there and i'm like oh my god every single dude in this audition is a flaming homosexual every single <laughs> one i mean like these are the gayest boys i've ever seen literally ever let me tell you that literally they they were death dropping and going into the splits for their audition like there was a there was a karate, and I'm like, dropping. yeah, like we were going at it. I mean, it was like, is this the church or am I, am I like the gay revival space for like is. young men? <laughs> I didn't, it was a culture shock because I was like, I, and I held my tongue because I'm like, 
these boys don't understand. They don't know. Like I'm the one that's been gay for a very long time. Like I've been there, done that. These these little boys have literally grown up in the church and they have no idea how gay they are. Like they, oh, it's right. just it was crazy. Um, <laughs> it was just insane. I just I was like I've never I've never seen gay men like this. Like I, you would have thought they were like pop locking and dropping it like at the club. I was like. And they're in the church, like, like going to perform. Um, so I audition, and I'm like, this was the crazy experience of my life. I don't know, like, I there's no way I'm gonna get into this, to this, to this meeting. I was the one, of course. I'm the only black boy. Of course, I'm the only black person. That is, hundred percent. Like, why would? Yeah, of course. There's no other black people because this is the Mormon church, and also it's like a religious telling of these experiences in historic Nauvoo. So I get up the next day and they call me and they tell me, they're like, you know, we spoke with God, we prayed <laughs> and you're in, you got in. We, we, and I was just like so happy that I was like, are you serious? My dream has come true. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go sing and dance in historic Nauvoo. I was, I can tell you like Heavenly Mother, I was the happiest person in the world that day like everything was going right everything that i always wanted was like coming true <sighs> the next day i go to temple grounds and it's my last day i have to take the train home at like 8 p.m to get back to fresno and i go to an organ recital concert because it's i mean I, i'm a musician that's what i deferred most of my life um, and the missionary, the, the mission, I forgot what they call, they call like the, the actual temple, like the, not the temple, but like the, the, the tabernacle. tabernacle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It has yeah. one of the largest organs, like in the most like expensive organs in the world. Like this is a great musical instrument. So I went there and I'm the only person sitting in this, in this building watching this organist. And I was like, oh man, it's maybe just winter. And the, the organ recital, it just, it's just amazing. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see these four men kind of walking in front of me. They sit like maybe four or five seats up and my heart starts to flutter a little bit. And that usually means like, okay, I don't know why I'm supposed to know these people, but I, I'm supposed to know them or talk to them or something. There's something going on between me and these four people. I have no why. One of them like kind of turns around and looks back at me. And I was like, I immediately knew. I was like, oh no, like, I'm not sure what's going to happen, but maybe I should get up and like leave. Before they do, they come around and they invite me to their to their to their house. Um, turns out it's two older gay men who own an antique shop in Salt Lake City, um, and another young like single gay man who's just one of their friends. And I'm sitting there like, oh my god, why am I here? This is not where I'm supposed to be, like. I like, I'm thinking like I'm safe. Like, okay, like as long as I get out of this, I'm going to be okay. Like nothing's going to happen. Everything's going to be fine. And then the organist comes in, he's gay. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm sitting in a room with four gay men. What's going on right now? I don't really know how to even explain the situation. I just know that I'm like, I feel good because they're really nice people, but also uncomfortable because I know that I'm in a room with four gay men and I've been battling this for a long time. And I just got told that I'm going on a mission it's a really nice night. They give us dinner. They're like kind of joking around with me because they can kind of tell that, you know, I used to be gay or, you know, I was gay. And then the young man, the, the younger one of the two um, invites, and he asks if I want to ride home to the train. And I'm like, yeah, of course. And then on the way to the train, he asks like, well, your train's not 
here for another like two hours. Do you want to just come over my place? <laughs> and the, this like this is the battle of me <laughs> and Satan and God just like going at it. And I said, guy, if you do this, like you already know what's gonna happen. Like my brain is telling me, like you know what's gonna happen. And I was like, I, I didn't say anything for two minutes and he was getting a little frustrated with me. And I was like, sure, sure, I'll just, I'll just go to your place. Like, why not? It's whatever. Um, we go to his place, we have sex. And I'm just like, the entire ride back home to Fresno, I'm just like, oh my God, I'm gonna have to tell my bishop that I just had sex with a man. What's gonna happen to my mission? I got back to Fresno and immediately, like, like the next Sunday, I go and I say, hey, I've got this great news. I'm going to go on this mission to historic Nauvoo. Also, I have this horrible news. I have to confess that I had sex with a man while I was in Salt Lake City. And the bishop, unfortunately, had to tell me that I couldn't go on my mission because it would not be enough time to repent in order for me to have time to go on the mission. Heavenly Mother, I cried for four days straight four days straight i cried because i was like i i just ruined it for myself like it was me it was my fault like i just made everything that i wanted like crumble like to my feet it was like it, it's it's funny because it's like a weirdly traumatic experience when i was in the church but it's literally that experience that like cast me into me being the person that i wanted to be and it was like the most heart-wrenching thing I'd ever gone through. Probably one of the top three things I'd ever had to go through in my life is being told that I couldn't go on that mission. But it's, it's literally the, the key that allowed me to see myself and say, you cannot run from this. You're supposed to love yourself as you are. You're supposed to be this person. Like, you have to be this person. This is what you were meant to do. Like you pick yourself up, like go be gay, <laughs> go be a good person and stop thinking that you need religion like to save you. And three years later, it still took me that long, but like three years later, it was like, yep, I finally just like kind of gave up and said, I, I can't do this anymore. I have to like find a way to love myself and be a gay man. I think I was 25, <laughs> even though I came out when I was 11. And that's, I feel that is, that's the part of the church that, in the part of being in a cult, part of being in that, in that space that you just don't realize, like it affects you so hard. Like I can't imagine the people that who grew up in the FLDS church and they finally have to step out of the grounds of their families and to watch everything around them just like just crumble because they had to decide for themselves that there was not even sure that it was the right decision. Just, just hoping, 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 hoping that they'll step out of that, that church and they'll be a better person. Like with, with no, no real grounding because the only thing they've been taught is that if they do this, they're going to hell. They only have their own faith to go on. You know what I mean? And that's what I mean that I'm like, when I see you happy, just knowing that you took that step when you were not really sure and you were scared and it didn't 100% make sense. And it just, and it tortures you because you might lose friends and you might lose family and you might 
lose things that you thought were important, but the things that you gain years and years later just like come back in such powerful ways and give you everything that you need. Taking that step is so important. My God, that was a beautiful. <laughs> I know that. Oh, like literally, we don't even. Oh my God. <laughs> no, I I laugh. That's my filler because I'm like no, a it's, person. It it but... blows my mind. The experience is like I can't. I went like I went through that. Like that's crazy. That's insane. Honestly because of it's really kept under wraps but there is a lot of suicide in the lds church and missions even historic missions can give ptsd so you not going could have actually saved your life like we really don't know how deep how deep the rabbit hole goes like there's a there's an episode on this podcast called like the dumb shit you said when you were mormon or whatever (laughs) but i have conversations you know like with my family that's left because like basically we are, we're all pretty much out um and conversations like you know just with with different ex-mormons like god can you believe i said that or that i thought that and right. we like chuckle and laugh but there's also like such a seriousness and a heaviness to some of those things that like because it, i mean it affects people some really <laughs> yeah we did 100 <laughs> percent. we were in it we're preaching it we believed it and it's like the universe like like why it it almost like you know it it, where like where what other parallel universes were that didn't happen for me (laughs) like like we just we just didn't figure it out (laughs) oh my god you know i you know what i mean i think about that all the time and I'm kind of at the point, and this is like how I see it, is that the truth is stronger than lies, quotes Steve Hassan, word mm-hmm. Dr. Steve Hassan, but also for me and like for you too, we just couldn't deny that it wasn't true anymore. Yeah. We just like can't. we could, we couldn't, it was just, we couldn't, like I couldn't live that lie. And then the cognitive dissonance that I had like for the last couple of years because like since i came home from my mission that's when like shit started to get real that's when the ball really started to get rolling mm-hmm. and i'll battle myself the cognitive dissonance of like really caring about human rights and really caring about certain issues and yeah. like just the list goes on and then at the same time being like well i go to this church that supports x y and z like how could i be comfortable with that like how could i call yeah. myself an intersectional feminist and then go to a church that's homophobic transphobic racist hates women like yeah, you just, hates femininity how could i do that like the cognitive dissonance i couldn't keep up like i just mentally and it was i mean i'm amazed that you were able to have those beliefs and still be in the church like you I, I mean, I think I was totally engrossed in all the things that they, they taught me. I you, I think I was li- like libertarian back then. Like I was so, some some crazy nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think, I mean, I think that's to, I mean, to your benefit, like that's part of your story of you just being that kind of person that really could understand those topics. But when it, when push came to shove, like the truth was going to like stand out more than the things that. That you know that the church was teaching you it took me way longer to like actually take like the objective truth of 
racism and classism and and the, and the things that we learned about like the history of America and be like, oh, the church also really screwed up on that. Like, <laughs> your book is probably not real, but also you guys suck when it comes to, <laughs> to like like real real truths. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we could literally at some point do an episode on just like if you are a marginalized person in the church a part of what keeps you in it is your own acceptance of that like oh we- 100 <laughs> i was completely convinced that the what the lamanites <laughs> like that was this objective reality to me i'm like oh yeah and that's the funny that's the best i say that's the worst thing about religion is that it, nothing has to actually make sense it just has to like metaphorically make sense and then you accept it as like physical reality it's like yeah black people turn you know people turn black because they sin and that's just the way the world is now but like no there's no justification no scientific reasoning behind this it just kind of sounds like a good like a good like plot line and you're like yeah if it came from god we're, we're awesome it's great it's it's the word of god it's just so bad it's like and i let me tell you i think that was the i think that was a part that like that fucked up my my parents so much was like that's the part that my parents really wanted me to understand and i was so far gone by then it just like it didn't matter anymore that they could have told me they hang black people and i'd be like oh i guess it was in god's will you know like (laughs) they were already just i was just too far gone to really think that it made any sense you know what I mean? But, you know, it's, I think it maybe would have been easier for a person that, you know, like didn't, I didn't grow up with, like, I grew up with a lot of black people in my religion, but like, I had a lot of like white friends, a lot of Asian friends. I didn't like believe in like racism back then. So these concepts that kind of got swept under the rug as just like God's will, when they're really just like based in just like try true like racism, you know, <laughs> uh, just, you know, like with no historical context, that's a big one for religion too, right? Like you just, you, you use your one book for, for your basis of history. You don't like really think of things in like a historical context. Things just make sense just because your God told them, you, you, you know, your God said it. Um, and I, I hope that that's the undoing of most religion. It's just Preach like it. objective reality. Like it just has to be like, yes. like it, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like it just, you, you just can't get away with like the truth of like what happened in the church, like the church's treatment of like black people, you know, it just, it just, it just, you know, you, <laughs> you use a book so much, you use a book that's literally just meant to be interpreted or used as a giant metaphor and you take it as objective fact and you just like, you, it just, you really destroy people's lives by, by, by using religion as truth. Word. God. Like, I also, it sounds like for you too, like, when I left, I still used a Christian narrative to help me get out. Like, I still identified as Christian. And then slowly, <laughs> slowly but surely... I started peeling away from that too. And yeah. a big thing, I haven't shared it on the podcast before. And I obviously you just make people feel comfortable. You got that vibe. You could be a therapist. Um, <laughs> is I learned about the native American residential and boarding schools. Mm. I learned about happened to my people and it happened to my own family. Yeah. And it was, it was Christian churches, right. Who were abusing these kids. And at that point I was like, that's it. 
it's all a wash. (laughs) And I just started going ham and I started picking apart Christianity to pieces. And I just, I just had to. And so I'm on this like little journey now, life's mission um, to just sort of like decolonize in multiple ways, because there's a bazillion things that we have that are constructs that are all from one culture and we all just accept it. And it's never helped anybody except for like five people. Um, And so it sounds like you're like a little decolonizing too. Tell me about that. It's, it's, it's extremely interesting because, you know, I've always been the kind of person that says as much as like religion and spirituality has been such a suck on like human culture and on like goodness (laughs) for the world. I truly believe that like there could, you know, there, I feel like there's space um, for people to experience their spirituality, their religion in a way that's freeing and that justifies other people's existence to live the way they want to, as, as you want to live in your Christian religion. Um, I just don't think people do it very well. I don't think most of Christianity does it very well. Um, And I think the hardest part, when it comes to like kind of decolonizing your mind is, is really learning what like Christianity is or where it could have came from or who wrote your books or, or, you know, like how it was used you know, to manipulate masses of people and kill masses of people. Um, You can, you can separate somewhat that kind of like political use of religion for what just like the book is in general, like the words on the page does not like made, has not created the disaster that humans have used these words on a page to do like horrible damage because they insist on believing that these, that these books are just like objective fact and reality. And I feel like the way to really like de decolonize your mind is to like to learn the history of the world outside of this perspective of religion. Like how are people being affected by religion? What has been done with religion? Like just, I mean, like just, just knowing, just knowing like the, 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 the fact that the book that's on your, on, on your, that's sitting on your coffee table has been rewritten and rewritten and rewritten and rewritten. (laughs) And, put in different languages and has been ripped apart and taken out and books have been going this way and that way. And what's on your table is just, it's just a made up thing used for political power. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't learn that reality, you, you just, you, you're doing yourself a lot of harm. Um, and it's just, I, I think it's so, I, I, I think for religion, it's so much more important to know like the objective truth of what's been going on in the world, just point blank, like what has been happening to people because of religion. It really turns like religion and Christianity like on, on its side. And you really have to like judge, you know, you, you, you judge the book by its cover and you, and you judge the words on the page too. It's just, it's just not working. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not helping people. It's just hurting, you know, a lot of people. And, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy for what I've learned about just like life and like the history of our country. And I'm really happy that I can sit there and like, and finally take a look 
at, 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 at the Christian, like, you know, the Christian method and say, I can gain something from this just for the sake of learning, you know, uh, like a metaphor of how to be like good to someone and not, and not take this, this book to, to be a way for me to punish or objectify or to demonize people. I could just take it as any other fiction, <laughs> uh, you know, on the, on the shelf and use it for what it is. Yeah. I don't think you can do that with the Book of Mormon. <laughs> the Book of Mormon is is Book of Let me, too... <laughs> There's a few parts that I think are are liter- literarily beautiful and like are meaningful and there's a lot of evidence suggests that Joseph Smith stole it, which is Lehi's dream and then a couple other passages that I'm like those are like beautiful quotes. Yeah. Um but and you know a broken clock is twice, you know, right twice a day. Um my brother used to have this hilarious hobby where he'd find good quotes by terrible people. <laughs> like he'd find like this beautiful quote and it would be like by President Andrew Jackson or something <laughs> like just because it was it was funny and so I sort of see I'm, I go so hard, I'm so roasty-toasty towards the church. Like, That's how I feel about the Book of Mormon. Like, The Bible objectively has beautiful literary devices within it. Like, It just does. Um, and I don't hate individual Christians, by the way, if someone's listening to this. I love Christian people for the most part. <laughs> for most of y'all are good. It's just same with Mormons. I think there's a lot of good Mormons, too. I just think the religion is, you know, obviously yeah. all the things you said and more. <laughs> I mean, you really can't, like, you can't use the Book of Mormon other than just, like, reading material. Like, it's just, like, that's interesting. Like, you can't, you, you literally just can't take anything. You could, I mean, you could really take it for even more than that. You could take it for, like, a kind of, like, a snapshot of, 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 uh, the way cultures are being represented and, and, and racism. And uh, you, <laughs> yeah. can, you can take it for a lot. You can learn a lot from this book by looking at it objectively, but using it as a material for like your own salvation, like, you have to be very careful. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I say that with the Bible too. Like you, you gotta be real, you get, you're gonna, you flip one page and people are like literally like killing people for eating, you know, fish <laughs> or like wearing the wrong cloth. Like you have to be really, really careful about using this as something <laughs> other than just like oh that's a nice story what can i take from it that actually is meaningful <laughs> or nicer cue for my life it's definitely not the part where i stole this stone this lady or i told that all all dark-skinned native americans are, cursed, are and cursed. They're wicked. right god the fact there's like no women at all Jesus. right um. just, just tickles me elmo it tickles me elmo um, the other question that I had was, I don't know, I feel like you kind of answered it, so I might not ask that. I was going to ask, like, where are you spiritually now, but I feel like you kind of answered that, so yeah. it's going to kind of be boring. I mean, I've, I've got, like, I've got ideas, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm still pretty enough. spiritual, and this is the part I think that's interesting for me. I've always been a pretty spiritual person, and, you know, I think that's what attracted me to the church is the idea that you know, Joseph Smith had a theophany, like he saw God, right? And I think there's 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 a, there's a there's this tidbit of like objective truth in 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 these stories, and that a lot of religion is based off of these ideas that you have spiritual experiences, and then you tell you tell about them. And I would never, at least myself, you know, and where I'm at right now, 
never tell someone not to listen or not to think of their spiritual experiences as something like unique and true for them. Like I've had a crazy amount of experiences, like weird, like astral projections and seeing things in my room. And this like, I've, I've encountered a lot about myself, like spiritually. And I think being able to have your kind of own sense of spirituality about how you feel about like life and like what it might be and what it means for you, I think is kind of like a sacred thing. Um, but I think, you know, like weaponizing your sense of truth about the world because you thought, you know, you saw a ghost in your room or you thought you saw God in a dream. <laughs> yeah. If it's even true, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if you even saw that to begin with, like, we don't, <laughs> is this, <laughs> but if you did, you know what I mean? Like, deciding you are condemning the entire world because for some reason you 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 saw a, an angel in your room or you saw an angel pick up a car or something you know or whatever crazy spiritual experience you thought you had a near death experience now for some reason you think you have all the truth in the world i can tell you i just you know i had a friend that just did like like th- three 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 pills too too many molly and saw like leprechauns dancing in this room you know like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, people have a lot of crazy mental and spiritual experiences, and they're all valid, but we, there needs to be more time to explore, like, what these things are and what they could mean and what the afterlife could mean because of that or what different dimensions can mean after, after that. I think there's still a lot of exploration between, like, spirituality and, and science that I, I think we're still very much at the beginning phases uh, of, of what that could be what that and what that can look like. And I, I'm excited. I'd rather be on this side of the fence where... I'm, I like to like yeah. You, we can explore these kind of concepts and not feel like we have to shy away from them. Um, if that makes sense, yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Tee-hee-hee. It reminds me of like two little quotes I had from some other episodes, like um, our little co, like the other men that do it. It's Elder Jackson and Bishop Jensen. So obviously, they're fake names. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I asked them, like, you know, wasn't it crazy, like, when I was a Mormon and someone would tell me a spiritual experience that didn't fit with the the church narrative, Mm. I was taught to, like, question it. Like, they could be lying. That could not be true. And then the further and further away I got from the church, the more I started thinking and realizing and experiencing it through my job and other things, that people really only lie when they have a reason to. And if you can't define a reason or you can't pinpoint a motive then why? why like we, yeah. we have to we have to find motive or reasons behind a certain behavior and so like same as you like my opinions and eyes about spirituality are like so much more open now and um so many of these people all over the world do have sacred experiences and do have spiritual experiences that i do believe like i believe it now like you tell me you saw something crazy like you're probably not lying like yeah, right um and then another thing i mentioned in an early episode is like <laughs> and you'll get this because it's like in your story too the math doesn't math so like in the mormon church <laughs> it'll be like so true story right like i like <laughs> so hear me out so I'm a, I'm a mormon based on a true story i go out in the woods near like a, a sacred site to my culture right and I feel something. I feel connected to my ancestors. I feel connected to maybe some specific family members. You mm-hmm. know, I'm I'm emotional and I'm, I, I start to cry and I just feel this warm, fuzzy feeling. 
and you're Mormon and you tell another Mormon that, they're like, oh, the church is true. <laughs> Immediately, like, it's, oh, it's evidence. Like, the evidence church math, is true. The math doesn't math. Like, I just told you I saw a ghost and you're telling me the church, the church, <laughs> the church is, true. is true. Like, or you got a little feeling to, like, I think I left something at my house. And so you take your car and you turn around, you start heading back. And then there's a car accident. And they're yeah. like, oh, the church is true. true. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? what? What are these are the signs? <laughs> the way that they make, like, the math isn't math. And then, um, as like an as a Native American person, there's a lot of Native American spirituality that I can like kind of fall back on or can kind of look into that my people mm-hmm. believed for a long, long time. And there's so much of it is, <sighs> they just don't give you all the answers, and why would they? Like, there's so many things, like, I think it's in black culture, too, but, like, if you hear something weird at night, no, you didn't. Like, you don't need to go looking. You don't, (laughs) don't, don't like, look for it. You don't mess with it. Yeah, you don't, you know, like, if something's spooky, I don't need there to be weird answers about it. I don't need there to, I don't need us, like, oh, I got to get a holy water. Nope, just leave it alone. Just leave it alone. (laughs) Let it be. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my sister, actually, oh, oh God, I always air out her little, little business when she's not here, but. Um, long story short, she just kind of had this epiphany that, like, so many horror movies are, like, propaganda for religion. Oh, Like, if you just do this properly right, the scary demon will go away. Like, if you call this priest or you put up this cross and, like, you're good. Wow. And so she just had that epiphany. And, um, like, as a Native person, like, even even spooky things or scary things or possessions we we have answers for and there's things about it and it doesn't mean what you think it means and there isn't this the polarity of religion right like well monotheistic religion anyway where there's like a a heaven and a hell and there's a god and there's a devil like indigenous people all over the world like we just haven't vibed like that like we haven't been you know we haven't been programmed yeah yeah so i have to kind of fall back to like what was there before yeah constructs right and there's there's so much and there's so much to explore and i love that kind of like knowing that i can have these very personal experiences and i I don't even have to understand like what they are i can just know that like the world is just can be somewhat unknowable a little bit um and somewhat beautiful and we can just kind of keep on living and living in this kind of wonder and and being okay that i don't necessarily know if when i die like what exactly is going to happen, you know, even though I might have a thought about it. I mean, I've thought about it, but now I, the more and more that I, I don't think about it and the more I just kind of say, I'm not really sure, you know, um, the more I can just kind of feel free to just to, to learn and to feel comfortable, like kind of being in your own truth. Um, I, but I, I have to say that I do, I, I think maybe because of this religion, like the spiritual side of things and the spooky side of things, they're just so interesting. You know, they're just so interesting to me. I've had some of the craziest, craziest experiences. Ooh, um, me too. Keep going. Uh, we, yeah, we could, <laughs> we could go. I could go in on some 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 things that it's just like I don't even. I, I mean, I gotten to a point where I could like force an astral projection. I've gotten to a point where people would like come to me like in my bedroom and tell me about like where we met in a past life. Um, I've had weird experiences of like creating a space in my mind where I was astral projecting and meeting people that like weren't supposed to be there, like maybe their astral projection form. 
like singers or dancers or um, I I've had people like come and like tickle me in my bed, you know, or just kind of be next to me or like I wake up. I just it's just like the I, and I, I can't explain most, most, most of it. And I don't know why it exists. And I don't necessarily want to put a label on it as much as I want to just experience it because it's just this interesting part of life that religion tells you is supposed to be scary or they just don't have an answer for it. (laughs) Yeah. God, no, that's, you've got definitely an, an indigenous approach to those kinds of things. They're like, why are you assigning morality to this? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you making them spooky? Why are you making them? Why is you, why are you making this? Why are you assigning morality to this? And just even the, and it has, I mean, I don't want to roast people's beliefs, so I won't say that. But I think anytime there's intense polarity, that's just a little unnatural to me. That's a little unhealthy because yeah. part of also, and I know we're out of time, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just even with the so many things I were told were this or that and like but they never were like including sexuality including gender including sex like there there are people who are intersex there are people whose bodies literally are not male or female they're both like for real and, and they're they're phenomenons that happen in the natural world and like you know, just really coming and accepting, like, indigenous people usually use the term two-spirited, but, like, there has never been this intense binary pre-Christianity, like, that just wasn't around, like, every culture had their own, like, spectrum, and it's wild to me, like, it's why it's, like you said earlier, it's why it's just not working, like, it just ain't working. It's not working, it's not, (laughs) man, and that's a whole other topic, just like that, being fed into that like white cis christian oh western God. like Capitalism. just being forced <laughs> into it like, like it's like i don't fit in this bottle why are you making me fit into this narrative and they don't even fit into they it don't. But they don't even know either just, yeah i don't even care as long as it as long as it like it makes them powerful you know it keeps keeps their power they're like whatever if i don't fit you know <laughs> i fit more <sighs> than you <laughs> Oh my God, that's the truest quote I've ever heard. It doesn't matter if they don't fit, they fit more than you. That's Damn. It. That's the tea, sugar cane. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're you're a joy to talk to. Oh, I'm so happy you're... to be at this time. I know. Heavenly Mother, you're so beautiful. <laughs> We've always, had these, we've always had these conversations. We've always had great conversations. <laughs> We always used to go deep and go hard. Like, we did. Oh, so stay after a little bit because I have some tea to tell you I don't want to put on air. So. Okay, got it. <laughs> so, okay, so at the end of every episode, we close. Instead of saying in the name of Jesus Christ, we say somebody else. Do you want me to do it or do you have somebody in mind? You go ahead. I have plenty, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I don't know who should close in the name of. Let me think. God, I was going to say someone kind of funny. I was going to say something. No, you say. Who do you want to close in the name of? We've, oh, closed, in, we've closed in Lucifer before. We've done it. Closed in Lucifer. Lucifer. <laughs> we can't do that one. We've done that one. Um, in the name... <laughs> In the name of cocaine, Molly and Mariana. 